everyone and welcome to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings, citizens. And this is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together, we've watched the movie, then we talk about it. It's really that simple. This is actually a bonus episode of sorts. Uh, not, not a Patreon bonus episode, that's something you get on Patreon for a dollar or more. Uh, this is a, an episode where we have a new vote on Patreon, where a, an option from this show goes up against an option from the Streams podcast, which is the horror movie podcast, and 121 in Flux. And we, we, we had the victory this month, if you will. Uh, we had, there were Steve Vincent Price movies up, uh, one that was more of a horror movie than this one, and we'll get, talk about how much of a horror movie this kind of is as well when we, we get into it. Uh, and also Basil the Great Mouse Detective, <laughs> which was the one that I do with Connor, if that one. So uh, so this is the last man on Earth, though. This is uh, Vincent Price's uh, take on the I Am Legend story from 1964. Uh, I, I, say, I say his take. He didn't direct it, but yes. Yes? What's your question? Did we win or did the movie win? Well, the... <laughs> are you saying we lost because we had to do an extra episode? <laughs> is that what you're saying? No, no. I just want to know: Does the people really like us? Um, I mean, I, mean, I yeah. know they like you because you're in all of them. But do they well, like me? That's what I want to know. I think so. <laughs> okay. I, I'm, okay. I'm. But I'm happy to do this. Yes, I'm willing to say at the very least, Connor's last place. I don't know. I probably would have voted for the Great Mass Detective. <laughs> hey, I don't, I'm not very complaining about watching that movie again, alright? I love that movie. But, uh, best 2D animated Disney film, don't at me. So... <laughs> I mean, it's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and what's funny is I loved that movie long before I knew who Vincent Price was. So when I discovered Vincent Price later in life, you know, his old horror movies and stuff, I was like, I know this voice. What did I know this voice from? It was racking. <laughs> oh, right. He's the villain? He's the villain? Yeah, he's a villain in uh, Basil. So he's the uh, the Moriarty to the Basil's Sherlock. But mm-hmm. we're not here to talk about Basil Group Mr. Detective, although clearly one day I should. <laughs> we're here to talk about The Last Man on Earth, which, as I said, is the... Uh, I don't actually check it's the first, but I, I assume it's the first adaptation, the first movie of the I Am Legend story, which, of course, later would be done again by Charlton Heston and The Omega Man. And then I think most recently with Will Smith and I Am Legend, which actually uses the title. So never seen him. Uh, naturally, I think because we're doing this one, we're probably inclined to slot those two in at some point in the relative near future, uh, later this year sometime. Uh, well, well, this first one is fresh in our heads. And so yeah, we'll start spoiler free as we always do. We'll give you warning before we go into the spoilers. And yeah, we'll get into it. The premise of this is really quite simple. Uh, the title kind of gives part of it away. Vincent Price is left alone on Earth, except people who have been changed, altered by a virus. And I'm not going to lie, a lot of talk about pandemics and viruses in this felt very oddly timely. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> this, this feels very, very all of a sudden just entrenched in what we're going through. But yeah, so. Still can't say it, huh? Sorry? Still can't say it? You can't say the word? I don't think so. I think YouTube still demonetizes you for using the word. We can say pandemic, we can say virus, we can call it Eileen, which has been the, the favourite substitute <laughs> recently, but uh, because because the other name rhymes with, you, you can sing it to the tune of Come On Eileen. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, Carr came up with it, not me, alright? It just, there was an easy substitute. So, you've got that stuff. Uh, one of the elements, though, Written that- by, uh written by Laszlo uh, Cravenswood, right? Indeed. I just watched that episode this week of What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, okay, stop. Stop dilly-dallying. Yeah, stop dilly-dallying. Yes, we'll keep, keep it on topic. But n- now all I can hear in my head is stroke, stroke, stroke your... And I'm not going to finish the sentence, but that's all I can hear in my head now. So it's a good show. <laughs> such a good show. Uh, anyway, so... He's the last man on Earth, and he's surviving day to day, but the, the people who have transformed because of the virus have essentially transformed into vampires. And that word is used, although I'm going to dispute how vampire they really are and what they're actually more like, but that's a debate. And typically, if something's got vampires in it, that, that'll just immediately be, that's a Streams After Midnight movie, we don't even think about it. The reason I why, wasn't expecting vampires at all. Yeah, that's fair. The reason why this falls into science fiction is A, because I think it's equally sci-fi anyway because of the post-apocalyptic idea, because of the virus. There's, there's a lot of sci-fi elements to this. 
<laughs> but more so because the other versions of the story that that will come later, Omega Man and I Am Legend, from my memory, both of those lean more towards sci-fi. So it makes more sense for us to do this if we're going to do the, the later versions uh, to keep it intact. Because I think this is the one with the, the, the most vampire or at least in the sense that, like, we've got garlic, reflections, daylight, <laughs> you know, when the, the daylight thing does stick around, actually. I remember that from I Am Legend, but, uh, you know, like that, the fact that they're being staked through the heart, like yeah, like this is definitely they the most have vampire, all the vampire ones. weaknesses. And plus, they use yeah. the word vampire in the movie. They do, yeah. They literally use the word vampire. What's funny to me though is that they actually act more like zombies for the most part. Yes, because uh, this is before zombies as we know them in cinema. Yeah, this is this is four years before Romero essentially invented the modern zombie. So I think it's quite interesting that they actually are more reminiscent of that than they are of any other vampire that I've ever seen. They There's also some clear inspiration, I think. Yeah. They also don't seem to actually bite anyone, really? Um, yeah, there is a scene at the end where it looks like there's one on a girl's neck. Yeah, but there's never, but like, any mention of There's them... no bite marks. Yeah, there's never any mention of them needing blood to survive or anything like that. No, no. So... It, it does seem more like zombies where they're just trying to kill whatever's alive yeah they do they do do speak though they've got some sort of limited speaking capacity so it's kind of more zombies but if anything it's just like they wanted a really specific weird take on vampires in this and it just happened to turn out to be a lot like what zombies ended up becoming yeah i mean both die and then come back to life oh they're both undead yeah you describe both zombies and vampires as undead they're just different types of undead so yeah these just have vampire rules as far as how you kill them it's kind of like how in howling 2 uh, uh your sister's a werewolf starring red brown of uh oh uh, yes you know red brown. you're familiar with red brown uh <laughs> yes. so he's in that with christopher lee and obviously it's a werewolf movie because it's helling 2 but see when you actually watch that movie christopher lee together i, I know and at one point christopher lee's wearing these like 80 shades you know the visor shades at one point it's just it's a, it's a hell of a movie uh but at one point uh or once, once, once you watch that movie, you realize as you're watching it that this was clearly a script for a different movie that was clearly meant to be a vampire movie that they just changed the word vampire or vampire to werewolf every single time it came up because all I mean, the even, rules... Even Chris Lee's in it. So. Exactly. <laughs> He's Dracula. <laughs> like, for some reason, it's not silver bullets in this movie. It's wooden stakes. For some reason, it, they go to a cancel in Transylvania. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just this is this was clearly meant to be vampires but you just changed it you know without much effort uh yeah. and it's werewolf now so yeah so and werewolves are they're the least undead of the three but they definitely feel like they're the same sort of genre i would say yeah they feel like they're the same sort of set of, sort of things but anyway uh so there's this kind of vampires right that's kind of the thing uh so i i, I I, there's, a, there's a good discussion to have about the, the the real title I Am Legend and how it compares to like the newer film and, and whatnot. Uh, to a point, I'll, I'll hold that back a little bit because we'll definitely do the newer films later. But Yeah, well, good, because I haven't seen it. So exactly, exactly, I yeah. I have much to say. But there's one point that I do want to bring up because this, this movie is, is far... I mean, I have to admit, I don't, I've seen The Omega Man. I don't remember it that well, though. So I can't say for certain how that one tackles it, but... This one, as far as the title goes, and by the title I mean I Am Legend of the original story, this is the one that actually, I think, the most faithfully actually has the reason for it in the movie. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they, they bring yeah. it up in the film, and I caught it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I think it's interesting that it's called The Last Man on Earth and not I Am Legend. And I don't know if you thought of this probably did but did you think about the the pilot episode of twilight zone oh sure i can see the comparisons yeah well it's not just that but like when he goes into that store and he's like the last man on earth it's called um where is everybody it's just a guy seemingly who's the last person on earth and he goes into a, a bookstore or some kind of store with books on it and every book is called the last man on earth that's true yeah you're right yeah uh, I I didn't think of that as I was watching it. I'm, I'm honest. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought of that. <laughs> that and it's interesting because the book is written by Richard Matheson, who also wrote a ton of Twilight Zone episodes that we've watched. Uh, 
what the I Am Legend books written by Richard Matheson? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I mean, it feels very Twilight Zone in a lot of ways, just kind of extended out. Uh, it's sure. right. It's right in that era as well. Like season what five of Twilight Zone would have been airing when this came out. Like this, mm -hmm. you know, it's right around that that time. Uh, so the movies, you know, it's just it's a, it's this weird oddity. You don't get a lot of films that are shot in uh, the you know the widescreen two three five to one, but are in black and white. Because typically when they started yeah. shifting to that, then everything basically would switch to color. So it's kind of an interesting mix of uh, formats. There is a colorized version of the film that you can watch, though. Yes, but I would rather cut off my toes. <laughs> Okay. So to stick back to Last Man on Earth, I've not even asked you the question yet, which is telling of how tangential this this review has been so far. But Tara, how do you feel about the Last Man on Earth? Yeah, I like it. It's pretty good. I don't think it's like uh, a masterpiece or anything, but it's for the most part, it's pretty good. I was surprised that it came out before uh, Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> I was watching it, and um, I like Vincent Price a lot, and I think it's hard for an actor to be the only person on screen for for so long and to act against himself, but uh, he does a pretty good job. Though I don't know if I love him in the role, but that's okay. He's, he's still good in it. Yeah, he's kind of the star of the time that they wanted to put him, you know, put in there. I I feel like, because I, I like the movie too, I kind of agree with your assessment that it's pretty good. It's not a ma mm -hmm. amazing or like a masterpiece or, you know, I, I think there's a reason why it's not like as super remembered as other movies from the 60s. Uh, and maybe why you don't get nerds every five minutes saying, who, hey, the living dead ripped off Last Man on Earth. Which, for the record, I don't really think he did. I, I just, I, uh, there might be some inspiration. I don't know about rip yeah. off. But, but you know, it, it's... Uh, I think Vincent Price is good. It uses a lot of narration. Uh, it's got a kind of a weird structure, actually, I think, because this is the second time I've seen it. And Yeah, I like the structure. I was gonna you like it? Oh. Yeah, I like I like that you get you get thrown in and in his like daily routine, and then you get like flashbacks as to what happened and how we ended up here. So let me ask you this, though. Do you like the fact that it is literally one extended 35-minute flashback? Oh yeah, it's a long flashback. You're right. Because it's not like it's different um, flashbacks. It's 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 you know it just goes back to the earliest point in the timeline and then continues from there, and then when it gets to the very end of that story, it cuts back to present day for lack of a better term. Yeah, I mean, I didn't find maybe if it was cut up a little bit more, it would have mm. been the pacing would have been strange, but I didn't mind. Did you get confused when he was watching home movies of his dead wife and child, and he wasn't doing the dialogue with it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, before someone corrects me, I know that there was no audio on the home movies because it was a 1964 like home film camera. The, the pretty <laughs> primitive. Okay, I get it. I, I was just cracking a joke. I was confused why there was so much stock footage mixed in of circus mixed in with uh, <laughs> with his family. Yeah, I, I, actually, that, that's a pretty egregious effect. I thought because you know how like sometimes, especially in like movies that aren't, it's not like a problem now so much. But if you go back even just like 15, 20 years, you get to this point where anytime there's a uh, a character watching a TV screen, right? The image on the TV screen is added in later, so it looks kind of unnatural and just sort of like as if it's plastered on instead of actually playing through, through the TV. Uh, yeah. This has that effect, but it's a projector he's using, so it looks especially fake because it's this perfect square <laughs> that looks yeah. high quality. And I'm like, yeah, this, this is not how a projector looks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> especially in a, a brightly lit room. So uh, that, that's a, a weird little, not, not a problem, just a, a little amusing observation. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to fault it yeah. for it. Uh, but there's a lot. There's a lot of narration. I, I I do feel like one of the benefits of like a modern version of the story, and that's not to give my opinion of I Am Legend because I will not say what I think about that movie. But it's definitely not a clear cut answer either way. Is yeah, that no I feel like because you've not seen it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like a modern taking this, I think, would actually try and make it work without narration, and would just have the you know, the, the quiet visual storytelling of the character on their own. And it's, it's one of the things, yeah. I think, we, we talked about that first Twilight Zone episode when we were doing a Twilight Zone reviews, I think we said that about that as well, that a modern version of this story would probably try their best to not have, you know, him talking to himself constantly because, that, that, you know, it almost takes you out of it because it's a little bit fake. I mean, admittedly, he's not talking to himself in this, it's narration, it's a little bit different, but uh, just to, to, no, let's just make it quiet because that's kind of interesting, you know, it's the, the don't breathe... <laughs> 
uh, not Dunbury, sorry. Sure. A quiet place. That was the. I mean, Dunbury is right. kind of worse right. as well, actually, because they have to be quiet, but still, it's a difference. Or um, I was thinking, um, just because I had watched the movie recently, um, All Is Lost, the Robert Redford movie, where he's out on a boat and it's it's a movie like where he's on a boat in the ocean by himself. And he never speaks, like, the whole movie. He's just, huh. the ship is sinking, and he's just out there struggling for his life. And he stays calm the whole time, and he never speaks. There's not, like, one line of dialogue in the whole film. Because he's alone. That sounds... It's, that sounds it's like, like his best performance. <laughs> is it good? Because this sounds great. <laughs> um, I would say it's close to great, but it's pretty okay. good. It's worth a watch. Okay, okay. All right, all right. I'll have to, I'll have to look into it uh so but you know that's more of a modern day version of like not having uh, having a movie where it's just one person on mm. screen and he's not talking to anybody or narrating over it and it works pretty well because it does feel a little bit like a crutch and you feel like mo modern movies would like to you know rise to the challenge and say no we don't have to do that we can think of inventive ways we can do things visually to tell the story that will make it engaging yeah. keep it engaging and and so on so you know but that's obviously this is this movie's of its time and it's not really a complaint so much it's just this is an observation of how things have changed and how how i would like this story to be tackled if it's if it's done now or this type of you know isolated mm -hmm. person so yeah uh no i i think it's good uh, the structure is a bit weird for me I, I i'm not sure i like that it's one big clump in the middle because it's because it, it makes the movie very distinct like there's like 20 30 minutes of like what his life is like and then, mm -hmm. like, 35 minutes of this flashback, and then the last 25 minutes of, like, the actual plot, <laughs> basically, is right. essentially how That's it breaks true. down. Uh, but so I, found each, I found each part to be pretty interesting, and I, mm. I liked the flashback, and I liked, once I got into that part of the film, I was just like, all right, I'm just going to go with it, that this is all, this is what the second act is, I guess. We're getting the whole previously on <laughs> The Last Man on Earth. And it was, I don't know, it still worked for me because it allowed me to, like, care about the characters in his life, which which was really effective, much more so than the characters that we get later on that we're supposed to get attached to. Oh, sure, yeah. I think that's fair. I, because it's such an obvious thing to say, but I feel like a movie now would probably cut back and forth from the, the you know, the, oh, the flashback yeah. timeline and what's going on. And it might actually mean that you don't have to have the narration and the, the stuff where he's on his own, because because yeah, to get answers from yeah the flashback there's other scenes sort of interspersed as well so it's not like it's going to be quiet for too long at a time as well so yeah there'd be there'd be benefits to it but you know this is the choice they made and um it does have some interesting ideas at the end i i, I do think that the reason why it's called i am legend the original story is quite interesting i don't know if the movie goes far mm -hmm. enough with it to really sell it to me but i do like the idea itself yeah i do too yeah uh and the final kind of like set piece uh, chase, I'll call it, is is pretty entertaining. Uh, and yeah, so I, it's uh, yeah, uh, but it's I think ultimately why I would say it's definitely more science fiction beyond the fact that it's just post apocalyptic and and its genre is that a the vampires don't actually feel that vampire-y. I would say that the fact, despite mm -hmm. the fact they have all the rules of a vampire, they don't actually feel like vampires at all. And secondly, the actual sort of like not quite the twist, but what the plot kind of turns it into by the end makes it feel much less of a horror story, at least in the traditional sense. And on top of that, I think the story of the virus spreading and the, the way they're reacting to it feels a lot more like a science fiction story of a, of a virus spread than it does a horror movie. So are we going to be doing 28 Days Later also then? That's unfair. <laughs> <laughs> That's more of a horror movie. That is more of a horror movie. Uh, Especially that last act's pretty horrific, but that's besides the point. <laughs> Hot takes. I, I have always been of the opinion that 20 Days Later is a good two acts, and then the third act's uh, a bit in the shaky side. <laughs> I've, I've never liked save the ending. Save it for the review. I'll save it, I'll save it. I've not watched it in years, so I mean, a lot of it will be fresh. Uh, but I, I was actually, we were doing Hellraiser 4 on, uh, on streams this week, and I was like, man, should I get Tara in to, like, to guest on this? Because this, this movie starts in space, on a space station, in the future. Yeah, but so many horror franchises have a space movie. I know. We should have been in Leprechaun 4. <laughs> Way down in the line. Yeah. 
Le- Leprechaun 4 and Jason X, you should have been guested on those as a, a crossover episode. <laughs> I wouldn't have said no. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get to spoilers? Like any other facets? Um, yeah, uh, no, not really. I mean, I I sort of hated in the beginning when the uh, credits popped up because it, it's immediate, like, the last man on earth starring Vincent Price mm. and these 16 people. Yeah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> to be fair, though, flashbacks were always an option. So, right, right. Yeah. And there are, you know, zombie vampires, which I didn't yeah. know about at when yes. the movie started, so I was a bit confused. Now, to be fair, though, it is easy to be cynical as you're watching this, saying, oh, he's not really the last man on earth, is he? But when you get to the ending, it actually makes a dramatic point that makes the title true, technically. Right. So, right. So fair play. Well, I like the title, I Am Legend, also, because of the ending yeah. of the film. No, I I do too. I I think I, I, am I understand why sense. they would have changed it though, just because I am Legend. It's you know it's kind of vague of what type of movie you're getting, but the Last Man on Earth, you're like I know exactly what this movie's going to be about. Yeah, although arguably not as much as you think. So because I feel like Last Man on Earth, I expect someone more isolated. I've definitely seen movies where a character's like the last person, and they're far more isolated for most mm-hmm. of the movie than this is for sure. You know, so yeah. sure. Yeah, but I mean, which one's gonna get butts and seats? True. <laughs> well, I mean, Will Smith got butts and seats, I suppose. I mean, that's not mine. Well, uh, apparently, yeah, it. apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> but it also came out at a time where I just wasn't really watching films. I was in the military. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Actually, Joe, you know it's weird about that because that movie set in twenty twelve and it came out in like two thousand seven. There's a there's like a weird Easter egg on on the adverts in Times Square. There's a poster, mm-hmm. like, but it's it's this the it's the logo from the comics, but it was a super a Superman Batman poster, and it's really funny that Batman v Superman came out just a couple of years late later than that. Uh. <laughs> so I feel like if I watch it again now, I'm going to look at that and go like, oh, it's your uh. fault. <laughs> <laughs> so they should they should actually go back in and edit in Zack Snyder's <laughs> Batman v Superman. Maybe maybe they're trying to tell us that the Snyder cut is what leads to the apocalypse so maybe we should mm, <laughs> exactly yes I, I can i can get behind that thinking i can get behind that so all right well that case we'll get to spells there because we're clearly we're dancing around uh talking about plot details then so uh last man on earth uh full spoilers in from this point on but i will take this time to thank our patreon producers for the month so thank you to david short tyler hess allison fordyce cindy palacious uh, and board now so thank you to you guys. Oh, thank you. They're all twenty dollar <laughs> patrons and up. Uh, but you don't have to be a twenty dollar patron, do you, Tara? Well, I know if you uh, want to support the show, you can check out the Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash/MobBuzzTV, and if you donate as little as one dollar per month, you will get access to bonus episodes of the Ace. But you get more of this. You can get uh, the Transfer Saga. Uh, we have some gems in there, like Time Cop. <laughs> And uh, some David Carradine specials like Deathsport and Future Force, all sorts of gems. So check that out for a one dollar donation. You get access to all of that. Um, at the five dollar donation, you get um, these episodes a day early. Week day early. <laughs> yes, day early. You're good. You were right the first time. <laughs> believe in yourself. I, yep. I I believe in you. You can do this. And you can uh, vote once a month on what movie we're going to watch next and uh yeah yep you're good yeah that's good that's it that's it i did it thank you i'm done (laughs) it's over thank you i'm done all right Uh, i'm out and of course this is the ten dollar too right this movie uh, yes, that's true. There is a, a $10 vote where it pits uh, movie options from different shows against each other. But I, I, I'm not cruel enough to make you do that as well. So. <laughs> uh, I the, brought it up anyway, since the, we're doing the bonus. Yeah. Uh, the, the one in the five are obviously the more common tiers for people to take, so that's why I especially plug those ones. But anyway, yes, last man on there. So the first like 25 30 minutes it's easy to take this one in chunks because it, it neatly divides into three chunks uh so the first chunk is basically him waking up he's got a little alarm clock 
And it's been three years since the apocalypse happened, and he gets up, and his narration tells us that, oh, the little day to survive, better get started. And he goes, Cause, and you sarcastically messaged me when you were watching yeah. this, saying, hey, if you were the last person on Earth, would you set an alarm clock? And all I could, all I could <laughs> think was, well, yeah, but the, the, the people who want to kill him don't come out during the day, so yes. They... I didn't know that. I just assumed it was the last man on Earth. Wake up, be surprised to alarm clock. Like, why why set an alarm clock? Like, if, are you it... waking up at work? <laughs> I mean, if daylight's important to what you have to do for survival reasons, then I guess you would have to set an alarm clock. So you'd yeah. maximize your daylight every day, I suppose, would be my guess. Mm-hmm. But as uh, a fair comment. Probably, yeah, probably he doesn't get a whole lot of good rest either because someone's always banging on his windows and doors shouting his name yeah if i've got like some critiques of the the idea there's a couple of shoddy elements and the idea that like all these vampire zombies can't get into his simple boarded up house even though they've been trying every night for what seems like years <laughs> if it feels a little he bit he says they're like incredibly weak yeah that's true he does say that he does say that uh so but, you know, it sets up this idea, and he's like, oh, my garlic's ran out. It doesn't have any scent anymore. And he puts a mirror on the front of the door as well, because they, they can't stand their own reflection. It's not that they can't mm-hmm. see themselves. It's that they just can't stand seeing their reflection. And he's like, okay, I'm going to have to get some more. And he goes to, like, a like a store and like goes to the garlic, but he's got stored in a freezer in this big store. And he's like, oh, there's a, a lot here. It's in good condition, but, you know, I'll just take what I need. And he takes a basket of it. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, surely that garlic. I mean, it's been three years, right? So, like, and if he if, if he's not getting this himself, and growing it himself, then yeah, that I mean, that garlic should be just as fresh as what's on the door, I guess. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, what stuck <laughs> out to me? growing new garlic out of it. When he's talking about like eating, he's like, "Oh, eating is not pleasurable anymore," and like, I I just do it to survive now. It's just a chore to survive. But this morning I'll settle for coffee and orange juice. And I went, wait, on oh, orange juice? Where are you getting fresh orange juice three years after the apocalypse? Maybe it's Tang. I mean... Maybe it's powdered orange juice. Has he got an orchard out the back? Grownies <laughs> <laughs> and oranges? <laughs> oh, like, yeah, okay, sure. Um, and, uh, sure, okay, coffee as well technically would run out eventually, but I buy that those, the coffee keeps for a lot longer though I, I buy that those yeah. coffee beans around for me to get for a long time. Yeah, coffee is so processed already. Yeah but oranges don't last for like forever, like, <laughs> fruit goes off <laughs> That's true You have to have your own tree <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's almost like they didn't put too much thought into like what would still be around and what would work and, and so on and so on kind of thing yeah, unless unless it's like a powdered one, or if it's just like in a can. I mean, because canned food lasts a long time. Yeah, because they canned orange juice. They Hello. do. They do answer <laughs> how he has power because he's got a generator and he's using gas for it. And I I buy that you know he's he's next to a city like does if if he's the only person using anything yeah there's probably enough gas that he can just take from the stations that'll Even last the food, for a while. Like I'm sure the food wouldn't have run out. Like oh you'll have tons like of food. Canned food and oh yeah yeah, yeah ca- canned food and like you know stuff like that yeah <laughs> tons of that um how long does rice keep does rice keep for a while I feel like it would. oh yeah yeah i feel like it would yeah so he's, he's got a lot of food options for sure uh and if anything i'm like where's all the cars like he keeps driving about in all these empty roads and i'm like wouldn't there be just cars like scattered all over the place like <laughs> i guess i mean people get sick and then they die so true they wouldn't be driving and then die that's that's fair. That's I suppose that's fair. I I guess I guess what I'm saying is that like yeah, there's not like a lot of like super egregious things that stick out, but it also kind of feels like it doesn't necessarily address a lot of things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of like oh, he's got a generator, he gets a couple of supplies like this, and that's about it. There's not a whole lot there. He visits the church occasionally, and he you know, he goes and picks up a new mirror, you know, at the mirror store. Uh, <laughs> Which is what it looks like. It doesn't look like a mirror section in a bigger store. It looks like a little just store with lots of mirrors in it. Very specialized. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, I Maybe mean, that's I, the thing. I don't know. I've never been to a mirror store. They, they probably do somewhere. Like I know there's a store in Edinburgh, which is literally just a Christmas store, and it's open all year. You can go in and buy Christmassy stuff all year. Um, and they I, must have some great sales. 
Well, I think the reason why it survives is because it's right in the city centre, so it's very touristy in Edinburgh. I think the idea is, is that tourists go in and get something for Christmas later that year. They're like, oh, we'll get a, like a, a Scottish Christmas ornament for our tree. Oh, okay. And I, I think that's how they survive the rest of the year, is that they, people just get things for later. Because they're, they're only there for, you know, short bursts of time. That said, they're probably suffering right now, admittedly. <laughs> <laughs> right now, it's not looking so hot. Not a lot of tourists. No, not a lot of tourists. Not a lot of people thinking about shopping for Christmas ornaments right now either, I have to imagine. <laughs> Mm-mm. Who wants to remember this here anyway? I know, I know. Everyone's trying to forget most of it. So, remember when, like, The Invisible Man came out? And remember when... What else happened in February? <laughs> there wasn't a lot. February feels like a world away now at this point. Yeah. Emma, and <laughs> it <Emma> came out. <laughs> Didn't see it. Yeah, I don't know. Just a weird time. The last uh, movie I saw in the theater was uh, Call of the Wild. Actually, can we talk about how he has like a, a device that he set up to actually whittle stakes like really accurately? Because he's got all these perfectly shaped stakes that are like these, yeah, like cones. Yeah, yeah, it's for making like candles and stuff or candle holders, but yeah. he's using it to make just stakes. Yeah, it's, it's really, really neat stuff. So what's interesting about this part, though, is that, you know, after we see him do a couple of things, there's a montage of him, because we, we see he's got, like, a he's got like a grid up in his, his wall with a map, and he, he's basically searching through street to street, killing all of the vampire zombies uh, during the day, because then he kills as many as he can when he's got time in the middle, after he's done all these other chores. <laughs> and we get this montage of him doing it, and I think what's interesting, even at this point in the movie, it treats it like... He's the bad guy. Like he, these people who are getting killed, these vampire zombies are like sort of waking up and going like ah, and they're like they're yeah. really scared, and it feels yeah. like you're the bad guy here. <laughs> like they, they, these people are terrified of you. I mean, he's doing it for survival, though, right? Like they're yeah. the vampire. I mean, in theory, but that's kind of where the movie goes, though, is that he assumes that he has to do all this, but then it turns out that not really to this, at least not to this extent, <laughs> right? Uh, and the yeah, we'll get into that when we get to that last chunk. But even at this point, you can kind of see the seeds for that idea kind of kind of poking in there. Uh, this I think I I don't quite buy Vincent Price as a survivor in the role. I, that's why I think maybe it would have been better with I don't want to say someone younger. I don't want to be ageist, but like just like his mannerisms and stuff. He doesn't come off as somebody who would do anything to survive. To me. <laughs> um, I guess, I guess, I guess we see what you're saying. What you're saying is Charlton Heston and the Omega Man feels like better casting. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I could see Heston's that. Heston's a survivor. <laughs> I can, I, yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, so the the last chunk of this this part of this chunk is that he does go back one night and sleeps again. We sort of see that they do bang in the doors and stuff, and he just kind of drowns them out with music almost mockingly he puts on music and just sort of drinks as he listens to some mm-hmm. classical music uh but the second day that he's out he's at the church and he falls asleep at the church and it's like already night time although i will say there was a couple of shots here that well the day for night was kind of unconvincing and mm-hmm. felt like it was still daytime but he uh he so he has to race home and sort of fight off some uh vampires to get into the house and this is the night where he watches the home movies, and it's when he's watching the home movies where we flash back to the birthday parties where he was taking these home movies, and this is back when apparently Europe's already fallen to the plague, <laughs> and yeah. they're talking about how oh, is, it, is it spreading with wind? Is it going to come over because of wind? And beca- yeah, and- come over to America. Joe, Joe's so funny about this is that I think but it's in Italy. No, I wasn't thinking that. No, uh, is it? I, I probably wouldn't have questioned this that much before, but because of everything that's been happening in the world this year, all I could think was, you know, the early 1960s, planes were already a thing. Is, is no one concerned that yeah. someone's brought it over on a plane? <laughs> right. <laughs> or even a boat. Or like Boats were definitely yeah, a thing. Yeah, just somebody who's just traveling. Yeah, I know. Like it, it just it felt like a weird oversight to just just the, 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 like because he's a scientist the character uh, uh vincent price character uh, of, of morgan and his friend uh, was it ben mm-hmm. who also works with him they're sitting debating this and they kind of travel with wind and there's rumors of people coming back as undead and they're calling them vampires and vincent price is like, oh what a lot of poppycock there's no such thing 
this is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, we see them working at the lab, talking about it, and they're trying to come up with a vaccine and a cure and all the rest of it. And what's so funny is that later on, Vincent Price actually has a story to explain why he thinks he's immune. And it's so, mm-hmm. like, just... Here's just a reason, you know. He's like, "Oh, I got bit by a, I got bit by a bat he's once." He's a scientist. If he says it's a reason, then we have to believe him. I got bit by a bat once, and I can only ex- suspect that the vampire bat already had the virus, but it was watered down in its bloodstream because it was immune, or because it could tackle it, and because it was already watered down, I only got a small part of it. It was weakened, so I got immune. And uh... isn't that what vaccines are? I guess technically, but he he admits that he's just guessing. This is just guesswork, but it's the best he can do. <laughs> yeah, either that or he was chosen, right? And to every generation, there is a chosen one. He is a vampire hunter. I believe the term is Slayer of the Vampires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But of course... Slayer of the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> I need to stop bringing up shadows. I love that show. <laughs> oh, it's so tempted to start talking about it, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. We're still on topic here. We're not talking about what we do in the shadows. Oh, it's very good. Uh, his daughter gets sick, and they're both worried about it, of course, uh, him and his wife. And they're, you know, concerned. And he's like, okay, don't tell anyone. Because we see in the news that anyone who has the virus is just going to be disposed of. They have to burn them because that stops the spread of it. Yeah, uh, they just get thrown into a pit. Which we actually forgot to mention that he actually does literally still uses this pit. Like, whatever, whatever vampire mm-hmm. he kills, he takes to the pit and throws it in. Yeah. Which he has is... to go car shopping and he's like, I don't need a car, I need a hearst. <laughs> actually, Joe, you know what's so funny is that the only thing that reminds me of I Am Legend in this movie, uh, beyond just the, the general premise, is that in, in I Am Legend, there is a scene where he goes to a car like dealership and gets a uh, a convertible. Like and that because he mentions that in this scene where Vincent Price yeah, is like, like convertible would be nice. <laughs> yeah, but of course, in in the the twenty or two thousand seven movie, there's a scene of Will Smith riding around in a red convertible <laughs> around the empty streets of Manhattan because of course there is. <laughs> but uh, uh, that and one other thing which I won't say because I don't want to spoil I Am Legend because it's kind of a, okay. a spoiler. So I'll just I won't tell you what the other element is, but. Okay. Yeah, so so the, the virus is spread. I will say that the daughter's acting was a bit rough, especially when she was pretending to be blind, and she was clearly looking at everyone. Yeah, <laughs> like well, also, well, also they're being dubbed. Like the only person yes. in the movie that speaks English is Vincent Price, and everyone else is being dubbed. And uh, the English dubbing. Well, I mean, no, to how much fa- can you say as the kid, and how much can you say as the dub? Well, because this was her eye line that was a problem. She's meant to be blind and yeah. she's looking at people. But, I mean, they're still speaking English. You can see them saying the same words. They're just right. badly overdubbed. But the, the dubbing is by a different actor for all of them. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't look good. I mean, it looks really mismatched. Oh, Vincent Price is the only one who looks synced uh, yeah. throughout the movie. Uh, which is very reminiscent of like the Clint Eastwood like spaghetti westerns and stuff like that. Right, which I don't want to be too harsh on about because I love those movies and I just kind of tolerate it. Oh yeah, I wasn't really complaining about that. I was complaining about yeah. her actual acting, not the dubbing. Oh, the kid didn't bother me too much. I mean, I've seen worse. She's terrible. Just accept it. <laughs> you call that acting? She's fine at the birthday party. I hope she quit. I hope she quit after this because she should never have acted again. She's terrible. Poor little Kathy. She- she, she should go and learn some accounting or something. Or she should have done. Obviously, she's probably... Sure in she's her... a fine teacher somewhere. She, she's probably like 70 now, but... <laughs> That's a specific point. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she gets sick, and Vincent Price goes to work. There's no one there but his boss, because everyone else has just stopped coming out of work because they're trying to protect themselves against the virus. He comes back, the disposal crews, if you, I guess for lack of a better term, they have taken the dot already and thrown her in the fiery pit. And Vincent Price like runs out and he runs to the the, the the he's like hey like you know my daughter might be in there did you take her did you come from this street and he's like I don't know but my daughter's in there too so just accept it man <laughs> basically that's uh, dark yeah it is pretty dark and he goes back and of course his wife is starting to get sick and eventually she has this sort of because the, the blindness is like a precursor to the final undead stage uh, mm-hmm. although the zombie vampires themselves aren't blind from what I could tell no no. They're just blind before that. Just blind before death. 
Vincent Price decides though that when his wife dies, he doesn't want to burn her in the pit. He's like, no, I'm going to save you from that horror. I'm just going to bury you in the backyard and we can leave it there. But of course, that very night, he hears, you know, noises at the door and it's her. She's walking in going, Morgan. Morgan. Just say Robert. Is it Robert? Well, whatever. Yeah. Robert. Robert. Rattican. Rattican. Right. Whatever. Uh, and that's kind of where the flashback chunk ends. And I know, like, we kind of I sped through kind of describing that, um, minus a tangent about Wayne's World, which will be on Patreon later. <laughs> but there is a, but you know, it was, like it has like a good thirty-five minute chunk where I'm like, are we ever getting back to the <laughs> to the main part of the movie? Like, <laughs> what is this? Uh, but it, it does make sense that a lot of the runtime is flashbacks. I'm not surprised by that, but I was surprised that it was all in one big chunk in the middle. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's weird. Again, having just watched Hell is Our Bloodline for streams, which also has a really weird structure from its like framing device and timeline, where mm-hmm. it starts off in the future, cuts back to. It's surprising like... for Hellraiser Four that it wouldn't be like a really uh, masterfully made film. Well, it is directed, or it's credited <laughs> as directed by Alan Smithy. So, if you know your movies, uh, you know what that means. Uh, yep. <laughs> Good old Smithy. Oh, this is oh, this is a great bit. I know this is another tangent, but I have to ask Tara. Why don't you make a guess? Who do you think Alan Smithy is? Well, obviously, Alan Smithy is the uh, is the mind and <laughs> behind one of the greatest franchises of all time. Of course, I don't need to say what it is. You already know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually so surprised you don't know this bit of trivia. Alan Smithy is not a real person. It's the name that used to get used when a director didn't want their name attached to the film because they did they, they, they wanted to disown it. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, they don't use it anymore because now people know what it is, so they don't want to use it. But uh, this was notable for me because it was the first time I'd actually seen a film actually credited by or credited to Alan Smithy. Uh, okay, cool. There you go. Better now I know. There you know. <laughs> yeah, that franchise I was talking about, of course. Um, What's transits? <laughs> so, yeah, so we come back to the present, and this is where the movie's plot actually gets going. And that, that sounds like an insult or a complaint, and I guess it is mildly, but not really. It's, it's like, it's kind of a well, weird thing. Well, the first thing. act was like, this is his life. This is what he does. And, like, you see a full day of, of his routine, and then the next day he gets frustrated and, like, with his routine. And you see him sort of break down and then have this moment of weakness where he goes into memory lane and the flashback and now we get the yeah where the movie like something else is being thrown at him instead yeah was there a transition to the flashback at all a what a transition was there a maybe an effect or a sound effect maybe <laughs> oh dear! Yeah, I understand why you want me to say it. Yeah, check out the Patreon uh, bonus bit for why why I made her do that. There. <laughs> so yeah, so he he counters a dog. Right, this is the thing. So he counters a dog that is like he's like it's alive. It's an actual living dog, and he mm-hmm. also encounters other like vampires who have been staked, but not by him. And he's like, holy shit! There's people out here. There's someone else in the city. Um, and it's worth mentioning as well like he does every day in the morning like go to his, his like ham radio and tries to like you know contact people he's like hey broadcasting on this frequency is anyone out there blah 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 so he tries to chase the dog it doesn't work though but it, the dog eventually comes back later that night and he's able to bring the dog in and he's like oh hey I've got a dog and he feeds it and he's like petting it and but he he sort of like you know notices like condensation and like blood on it and he's like this is kind of strange like what is this and he goes and t- yeah, because he's he's just cleaned them too, like he's given yeah. them a bath and wrapped up his his wounds. So he goes and checks the uh, you know the microscope uh, with with a sample and discovers that the dog's actually got the virus. He's, the dog's infected. I mean, he's he's acting more or less normal, but he's got mm-hmm. the virus. So it's got kind of a dark cut where it's like there's just like a he's got like this tiny little thing. Yeah. Like. You can't see what it is, but it's got a big old stake in the middle of it sticking out yeah. that he's burying. Like, no, he just killed the dog. He just killed the dog, yes. Uh, it, it was done as tastefully as I suppose. <laughs> it was done really fast. Like, I I found that if, I don't know, I, I was missing the emotion 
from the scene. Like, I know Vincent Price has been alone for three years, and he's probably desperate for a companion, which is why he chases the dog and tries to look for him so hard. This um, is this is a huge difference. There's, there's not a whole lot of, like, oh, that sucks, and, you know, he finally mm. got a companion, and he loves this dog. Like, I would have liked to have seen it's... a little bit more of a relationship between them before he had to, like, you know, kill him, and, like, it would have been awful for us to watch. This kind of goes back to what I was saying a lot during the 70s month, where it feels kind of like a prototype for this type of movie, but it doesn't necessarily nail all of the emotion that should come along with it. It just mm-hmm. it feels like here's the beats that we have to get right, and they kind of work, and the, the, the function, and that's it. Like, yeah. Because like any, gonna... any version of this in the modern day that would have had a dog in it would have been really emotional, and this one didn't have it. Funny you say what? that. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Cause, well, okay. Because <laughs> one of the, one of the things that's uh, like really different, just remembering from seeing I Am Legend in the theaters, is that I Am Legend, like a big part of that movie, is Will Smith like getting emotional because he's alone. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the running things in that movie is he talks to a mannequin. Like every time he passes this mannequin, uh, when he's going past the street, he always talks to it. And there's like a really like say what you want about the rest of that movie there's a really emotional scene where he sort of starts crying talking to the mannequin because the mannequin won't talk back and it's it's really kind of heartbreaking and yeah the emotion is just not in this movie like the last man on earth does not have emotion in it really beyond a couple of key ideas but you don't feel it really it's not there so i I think that's a fair critique i think it's a fair critique that like because even when he finds a human being like next because he he runs into this woman uh who uh, ruth or her name is and She's scared at first and she runs away from him and he comes up, no, I'm not going to hurt you, I'm not going to hurt you, like, hey, like, like, it's dangerous out here, they're coming back, I've got a safe place, you know, come with me. And he is relatively excited, but again, it feels like he should probably be, like, almost breaking down and crying that he's finally seen a human being after three years, <laughs> like, oh my yeah. god. I'm not alone anymore. I'm not alone. Um, but and it's co- a woman, and she's super hot. <laughs> <laughs> he's still an upgrade get- from the dog. I mean, not for me, but like for Vincent Price. I mean, that's not a dark joke, but it's, de- <laughs> it's definitely a blunt joke. I'll I'll say that much. Uh, <laughs> but yes, technically, yes. Although, to be fair, they never go down a creepy path. He never like, even implies that they have to repopulate the planet or anything like that. He just kind of like he's just he's just happy to have a person to talk to. It never yeah. gets creepy. Yeah. So, uh, but he's 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 suspicious of her because she's acting kind of weird and. We see her like take this like uh, drug. She's got like a syringe, and she sort of like, takes it again. Basically, what's discovered after because the, they talk about how the fact that they've both been married and they lost their families and you know compare notes and that kind of thing. We find out that she actually is kind of infected. And this is where it really gets to the idea of the movie, mm-hmm. which is super interesting. To be fair, I think this is really fascinating. Is that basically some of them are been taking this drug to sort of be more normal and be not like you know be smart enough and sort of be strong enough to like have a normal life and they've got a community going they're basically repopulating civilization essentially yeah. and, but they still function at night and they still function at during night. the day they still they still are vampires but they don't have as many like um yeah they're they're not they're not like zombie vampires you know yeah. they're more i guess like traditional vampires except human nocturnal humans Nocturnal humans, but they don't seem to need to actually. Well, they can still go out in daytime though, because the drug lets them do that. Yeah, it lets them do that, but she still is weakened by things. Like she's not like the, she says their their society still stays nocturnal, yeah, because well, that's the whole point about why he's so scary is because he's the daywalker. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's what I'm getting to is that basically him going around killing all these people during the day, which is essentially when they're asleep in their beds, he's become something of a boogeyman to mm-hmm. this smarter vampire community and unlike other movies with vampires the vampires in this movie are not presented as evil they're not presented as anything like that at all uh, which is why it's almost it feels like a weird thing to even call them vampires it it's almost like i would have loved a little twist here that the things he's doing to protect himself are all are all based on cliches and some of them aren't actually true like you know like mm-hmm. it'd be a really cool little twist if like the garlic didn't do anything like the garlic was just an assumption that he made because of movies right that would have been an interesting idea if they implemented that. But So basically we find out that he, he is this myth, this legend, right? That's why it's called I Am Legend, because it turns out that he's the boogeyman. It's not them that's the boogeyman. The whole point of the, mm-hmm. the story is that we find out that our main character is the villain and that this society are the ones that fear him. 
so they're hunting him not because they're vicious, but because they want to protect themselves and because they want to stop his killing spree. Uh, and that's kind of the point is that when he get cause, and she kind of starts to care about him. She she because he cures her. He actually gives like a blood a blood transfusion, and if it turns out that his blood can help cure others, yeah, it's um mixture of his blood and the vaccine that she already had mm. that uh that he does a trans like this medieval looking <laughs> device that he uses in while she's sleeping or knocked out or something i can't remember that yeah. she uh wakes up and is just normal human again yeah so she tries to like tell him to run because like you know the, the forces show up uh, and they kill all the reg because this is the thing they still kill the regular vampires and stuff because we saw that earlier you know the bodies that were left and we see it here again they're still killing the regular zombie vampires uh that they're coming in encounter with mm-hmm. so but they, they, they come they've got some trucks they've got guns and they're they're coming for him and you know the last like 10 minutes of the movie is him like running basically he, he runs into like a hospital or something like that and like he's like creeping out the window and he's, he's running around and he ends in a, a big cathedral where he ends up dying <laughs> on like the the altar he realizes that he is the last man on earth technically because these these people aren't humans like he is they're a new breed or a new species so he he actually says that you know i don't know if he quite, quite gets the whole sentence out but he essentially says the line that you know the title of the movie he's like i am the last man and he he dies because mm-hmm. i actually the way he Just dies is, them all freaks. is actually quite impressive because one of the the vampire soldier dudes actually like throws a spear at him and yeah. spears him from a distance yeah uh for, just like for, a javelin yeah the heart. It, it was actually quite uh an interesting way to kill him off but you know he ends up you know, he dies on the altar being held by you know this ruth who is like sort of apologizing uh and this is the end of the movie and look this is a fan fascinating I, I think the ideas in this movie are more fascinating than the implementation of them which is to say well, there is one more line in the film because she there's a baby crying in the in the church or whatever oh, sure, it is, yeah. and she grabs the baby and she says it's okay you're safe now i think you know which i don't know i don't really know how to interpret like either that means you're safe because the boogeyman's dead or you're safe now because her blood is now the super blood that could cure everybody or maybe it's both i took it as the boogeyman was dead uh but You've got a point there. I mean, it could be that as well. Because uh, I, I think it really treats him that way. Like, he realizes this. And it's not like he, it's not like he's unremorseful either. Like, when he finds out that mm-hmm. some of the people he's killed by accident, he no. he, he finds out that he like, he's, that some of them are smart and intelligent and he's killed them in their sleep. He actually does say, oh, I didn't know. He, he looks a little bit upset by it. <laughs> he's, not, he's not like he's yeah. like, well, screw them. I'm going to kill them all anyway. So he's not unsympathetic he doesn't he doesn't just go into a dick mode well he gets a little unsympathetic at the altar or inside the church because he just starts calling everybody freaks and like you're not human you're mm. you're unnatural i'm the one that's human and you're gonna kill me like yeah that's I, I fair. like that he, he he doesn't come off as very sympathetic but of course they they don't come off either like because they're they're just hunting him down with guns and spears yeah, but. maybe this is the dawn of the Planet of the Apes treatment where we get sympathetic on both sides and we understand why they're scared of him. We understand why he is fighting for survival. So in the conflict, we'd be like, "Oh my god, I don't know who to root for. I don't know. Like, I want them to just get along." Yeah, <laughs> yeah we could think of some of that at some point. But no, I, uh, I, I think the ideas are really fascinating. I love the idea, and I, I wish that it explored it more. The idea that he has become the the vampire in their culture he has become the one yeah, who sneaks into their beds legend. at night yeah that that is actually a wonderful uh, storytelling i think and i don't yeah. know if any of the three movies really nails it completely like they they all have their faults i think um mm. so and that's it i don't remember omega man as much so i'm i'm looking forward to seeing that again so we'll definitely do that maybe in a couple of months time uh and sure we just did a heston film so we should probably take a break yes yeah, true and he does show <laughs> he does show up in the second Planet of the Apes briefly, <laughs> mm-hmm. so we'll see him again. But yeah, I I mean the movie it's not like super interesting from a visual point of view, but it does. It, I mean the uh, the wide framing does look nice. You know, I, I I appreciate the 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 quality in that sense. You know, Vincent Price is a very enjoyable actor to watch and listen to. Even if although I do kind of agree that he doesn't necessarily bring the emotion to this role that it probably requires. 
Yeah, he has a, a decent like breakdown scene when he's watching the home movies. That is is pretty effective, but there's there's plenty of other scenes that I think require emotion that is not there. And and he's a great actor, so maybe it's just maybe it's the direction. Yeah, it could be the direction. It could be that they just weren't going for this super emotional thing. They sort of treat it like he just takes things really well. Yeah. So I guess that could. But if you can't get like sympathy for a dog dying in a scene, then I mean something's missing. Some yeah, something's <laughs> something's wrong. Uh, I I I can get behind that. Um, and I do I I do actually like the title of the movie in the sense that it it, it doesn't mean exactly what you think it means. I, I like that the the end mm-hmm. recontextualizes what the title actually does mean. Um, That's true. And I I do appreciate when movies do that, where you're like, oh, I I, you know, I thought it just meant this thing, this really simple idea, but no, it's actually this. Um, so. No, and I, I think what's interesting here, because me and Tim recently, uh, it's not went out yet, but we, we did a movie called The Girl With All The Gifts from a couple of years ago. And mm-hmm. that actually also had, it was a zombie movie, but it had a very similar idea of like, a new society taking over by the end. And the idea that the previous one was like determined not to let it go. So it was a kind of about the old establishment, like re- refusing to let things change for the young establishment. And okay. I think there's maybe an element of that in here. You know, I'm getting, there's a small sense of that of like, not even like in a mean way, but you know, Vincent Price is like clinging to the old world and not wanting to to let go of humanity. Yeah, I mean, I was sort of getting that from his character in the beginning before I realized he was doing vampire stuff. Because mm. in the beginning, I'm like, okay, well, maybe he just has an alarm clock and he's just doing his daily routine just to try to keep some semblance of normal. Mm. Still makes tea and <laughs> has his three meals and gets up with an alarm. I don't know, but. So, and I at first I thought that that was going to be part of the film. I think it's there in a very minor way, like if you really read into it, but it's not like mm-hmm. at the, the forefront of it. Uh, whereas the girl with all your gifts, I think at the end of the movie, like it really, like no, that's the point of the movie at the end is that you, that's really the themes that it's playing with. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's some themes in there, um, but you know, it, it's good. It's not great, and I think, uh, yeah. and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. I, I, I mean, I have this in a box set of like seven Vincent Price movies and as part of a box set that was, you know, fairly priced, it was a solid I think, edition. I think my my favorite Vincent Price role is Egghead in the Batman <laughs> series. <laughs> now for me it's probably Rackin, but I do love House and Haunted Hill, the original. Hmm. He's really good in that. He's kind of perfect yeah, in that. that one. Yeah. That's a really fun one. Yeah, I like that a lot. He's got he's got a bunch of fun movies though. The fifties, sixties, seventies Vincent Price is a is a fun Batch. There's some there's some stinkers in there, but he's he's got a lot of good stuff. He's a great Batman villain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stupid sixties Batman show. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> You're stupid. That show's great. I like my I like my Batman relatively serious, thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Oh there's Peter on his high horse again. It's not a high horse, it's just it's just my preference. It's just my preference of Batman, that's all. Okay. Yeah. Uh, besides, what do you mean on my high horse again? I, th- I thought the, the joke you liked was on my ivory tower. I thought that was the... Well, you have to come in on your high horse and then you get to your ivory tower. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I'm glad we I'm glad we established that just, just for yes. the future. Uh, last one on Earth is pretty good. It's not great. It it's definitely feels, again, one of those proof of concept early examples of a genre um, mm-hmm. that would maybe later be bested by other examples. But I mean, as a as a as a Vincent Price romp, I think it's it's got some stuff going for it, and the ideas are fun. So yeah. Um, so uh, I guess what I'm saying is, Tara, what would you rate it out of out of ten? Yeah, it's uh, it's good, not great. Um, I I didn't mind watching it. I liked a lot of what's here in the film. I I was surprised by the fact that this came out before. We had like a definition of the current day zombie, <laughs> um, what we see in zombie films. So um, that was really interesting to to just see. And um, yeah, good dog great. I'm gonna give it a, a six point five. Hmm, six point five. Yeah, I was. I'm kind of thinking around that range. I was thinking that or a seven. <laughs> I will go. I'll give it a 6.5. I kind of, I really want to give it a 7, but I I think the weird, the way it dumps all the flashbacks in the middle, uh, just, I think I have to 
take the extra half point off for that. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah. The structure is just odd. But, I mean, that's, you know, whatever. Uh, it's worth a watch, though. If you like Vincent Price or you like checking out old movies like this, I, I think it's definitely a solid watch, though. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah, dis- I agree. dissuade anyone from, from doing so. Uh, so there you go that's the last man on earth this has been an extra episode if you made it to the end of the review if you made it this far type hmm type egghead okay fine type egghead in the comments (laughs) to let us know you got this far uh, before I properly plug things, we'll do the little pose section so Tara I'm going to say 3, 2, 1 say pose, then pose for the thumbnail make sure your head's not cut off me do it 3, 2, one pause. <laughs> I'm searching. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> you can work with that. I can. I can. Work, I can work with it. Yeah, I'll, I'll do something with it. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, so yes, you can of course uh, let us know what you think in the comments. Uh, like and subscribe. Like is really important on YouTube. Let's the YouTube algorithm know that we're worth recommending out. So please do that. Uh, you can rate us on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts by giving us a five star review. Uh, that helps us out a lot as well. Uh, you can get us on the Twitters at the Ace Podcast for updates and the occasional clip and things. So go, go do that. Uh, you can, of course, also support us on Patreon.com financially uh, for as little as $1 per month, as we mentioned earlier, so please go and have a look at that too. Uh, but otherwise, that is us. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. So this has been an extra episode, so you get this in addition, which is it's a good thing that it's kind of an extra one, because I feel like this one was especially tangenty. Uh, but I think that's because the plot of the movie is so relatively simple and straightforward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, especially in the sense that the, the plot doesn't really start <laughs> until the kind of we're in. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, uh, yeah. it's a third act movie. Caveats, there's caveats to be had, but you know, enjoyable enough to watch. Uh, but yeah, so that has been the Atomic Cinema Experiment. Thank you once again for watching or listening. We do always appreciate it. Keep watching Science Fiction Guys and Computer at Salsa. I don't have anything prepared. <laughs>